This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. I'm here in Monmouthshire and it's a very rainy day in the summertime. And as soon as you step out of the car, you're hit by the most exquisite array of sounds. You've got birdsong, you've got the sound of a brook somewhere, you've got pheasants. But the place that I've come to is actually known for a very different kind of sound altogether. This is Rockfield Recording Studios. It's played host to hundreds, thousands of the world's finest musicians, including Queen, Stone Roses, Oasis, Aldous Harding. You name them, they've recorded here. Oh, and there's a chicken sitting on the doorstep. Two chickens on the doorstep. And here's Kingsley, like Mary Poppins, with his giant umbrella. Somebody mentioned that the weathercock over there might have inspired Freddie Merck to write Any Way the Wind Blows, but we don't know. He could have done, because he sat in that little room over there and was finishing off Bohemian Rhapsody, because I spoke to Brian May in the yard. He was playing frisbee with the rest of the boys, and I said, you've been here a week, you haven't done much. You know, Freddie's in there writing something. So in I toddled, and in that little room was horse saddles and horse bins, and in the corner was a rotten old piano, a little old broken little old piano in the corner. And he had it tuned especially. We had no idea. In I marched and I stood next to him. Well, I didn't know what he was doing, was he? but he was obviously finished being Rhapsody up. By the way, it wasn't called Bohemian Rhapsody. It was called Freddy's Thing because it had no name. And eventually it became Bohemian Rhapsody. So the sounds we're hearing today, rain and birdsong and... and yeah. Barn doors well, closing. Still, yeah. you, I guess it was the same when you were growing up. We still got Jersey cows here. We still got horses. We still got chickens. When we bought this place originally, we had no idea what was going to happen, by the way. We had milking cows. We also had 500 pigs. All these places around here, we had pigs in them now. And now they're all studios. It's all by accident, really. Life is like that, isn't it? Many people know us because we're favourite groups recorded here. So we got 50 years of sales right around the world where people's locked onto their groups. Monmouth itself is a farming area with valleys and rivers and things. Yes, that's what it is. Not the exact place we expect to find an iconic recording studio. So this is a small little garden down the steps, and this is where Rockfield began. Very steep stairs. (laughs) This is our rickety stairs, where we have to bring all the equipment up here. Right. Can you believe it? Now then, you're now out entering the very first little studio we ever had. It's all taken apart now. This is where we started. The tape machines were by against the wall there. This was all padded out. We used to put the drums in there and the guitars. I was just sitting here and just we made our demos. And there's a poster of Elvis Presley there, isn't there? Oh, good old Elvis, yes. Yeah, gazing down. Yeah, that's it, poor old Elvis. Yeah, and that's, that's, this is where we started in 1960, 61. Humble, isn't it? So that's where we got these pokey little rooms. But it suited us with our equipment to record our own band. 
because we didn't know anything about studios. We didn't know, we'd never been to one. So in our own little way, we started off, didn't know what we were doing, but we set it up properly. What are these here? Well, these, <laughs> they look, these, these things on the wall, these old bags, was what pig food came in in 1960, because we knew no different. So we stuck them on the walls, just to make, stop the sound going, so we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> the big orange bags. I know, it's with, got with B-O-B-O-C-M, <laughs> written on them, British Oil and Cake Mills, built in Bristol. And nuts. And nuts big for pigs, pig Red nuts. nuts. Couldn't really buy it, could you? And what are the acoustics like in this? In well, this I had no idea about acoustics. <laughs> they didn't exist as far as we were concerned. <laughs> <laughs> we knew how to operate a tape machine and microphones, and we had a rough idea to record. We evolved, and we just picked up knowledge as we went. It got better as we went along, really. <laughs> we're now going, I'm now going to take you to our second little studio, which, built 19, which is in a granary. Today, John David's here, and John David was with play with Dave Edmonds in Love Sculpture. So he can talk to you at the same time, but the studio we were up there would be quite interesting for you because he was one of the bands who actually played there. Was that the first... Was well, it first, Sabre Dance? Yeah, was that the first he, he can tell you about that. Okay. In 1967, when we did our first recording, there was a, a bee's nest, and you could hear it on the microphone. It was constant... I thought it was a potato loft, but it was, it was, it was, it was a granary, was it? Yeah. As you got more and more popular and more and more well-known around the world, and you had more and more bands coming from all, all over the place, from America to record. How did a lot of them get here? <laughs> Are you going to mention the aeroplane? Because <laughs> you, you see that, that field there, just to the left of the lodge? Yep. Well, Kingsley had the idea of landing strip. Uh, a landing strip there, so he took away the hedge that separated the field, so you got like a quarter of a mile of grass. There's a big hedge down the far end so his friend Jim Buckingham came over to test it with his yeah, plane right. from Bristol right. and uh, he just about got in and stopped just before this hedge yeah. and uh, he said well it's, uh, it's a bit tight Kingsley but um, I, I, think it'll do, I think it's okay so we had a cup of tea and a huh. chat and then he turned round to take off and he's going down the field and bounce, bounce <laughs> bounce Bounce, bounce over bounce. the edge of the edge. And he, he, he didn't quite clear the hedge. There was a ripping noise. <laughs> and then he came back, flew over this way uh, and banked so we could see his head and he was shaking his head. Like this. No, no, no. And there was branches hanging from his wheels. <laughs> but we should land airplanes there. We get helicopters in though. You know, people, you know, famous people turn up there with loads of money. Yeah, we used to mow the runway. Of course, the trouble with us was our runway was it, it was cows they were, and of course it was cow dung everywhere. Yeah, and it was a bit lumpy where the cow. <laughs> yes, and, and the trouble with the propellers is propellers make an awful lot of draft, so the airplane would be sat there to be bloody cow muck all over the wings. You'd <laughs> 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 have, have to clean the wings out first <laughs> to get the airplane off. But, but we got planning for it to land a strip right outside Monmouth. We got planning now for it if we want us to do it again. What did the bands make of that? Loved it, didn't they? Because they never came across it before anywhere in the world. A studio with its own pride and land in Monmouth. Never been heard of, had it? Couldn't buy this, could you? Let's shoot the cows out the way first. Yeah. Move the bloody cow going, ah, shit everywhere, we couldn't stand it. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> And as I say, it's what we're known for, that and thermal vests, because it's always cold here. 
And one of the things Willy that we're sort of known for is not putting the heating on. <laughs> My father's such a farmer. <laughs> I've noticed if we've gone around, he turns all the lights off. He definitely noticed. Well, he, he saunters in. Yeah. He saunters into the, the accommodation where there's the thermostat on the side and the band says, it's hilarious because they're sitting there and the heating's on and the thermostat's up. And he wanders in and he's like, hello, everybody okay? And then he sort of surreptitiously, he thinks, turning the thermostat down and then he walks out again. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, we're not known for being warm. <laughs> I'm here with Lisa Ward, daughter of Kingsley, one of the founders of Rockfield, who grew up here at the recording studio. So we're standing by the field in which your your two horses now, your two remaining horses, they found themselves in various uh, video footage documentaries, all oh, kinds yes. of things, haven't they, over the they years? They have. Well, I mean, all the animals here are, always, are a very big part of Rockfield, to be honest with you. But one of our mares who actually died last year, she had a foal. And within half an hour of this foal being born, the bands were in the stables checking, checking the foal. And it's the same with our cows. You know, we breed from the cows. And again, if there's a new calf... And you can guarantee the first people to see the, the calves are the bands. They love being a part of it. Because um, a lot of them won't have ever seen that kind no, of thing. No, they don't. They, th- that's the thing. They don't know about it. And, um, and I've got this, another memory in my mind of the neighbour has got, the neighbouring farmer has sheep and all his sheep escaped and came up the drive and I had to get them down the drive. <laughs> and I remember Manny from the Stone Roses was here and I don't know whether he remembers it, but he helped me move the sheep <laughs> down the drive and it's sort of like, it's just the way we did it. There's all these wonderful little things. And do people use the landscape I think they do. I think they get. I think they benefit an awful lot from the fact that, you know, it, there's lots of big skies here. I would say blue, but it's not today. And there's lots of greenery. We're surrounded by meadows and trees. That is very calming. You know, I'm very aware that there was a time, particularly in the middle of the 90s. You know, there were a lot. There was a lot of negativity going on in the music industry. An awful lot of bands had a lot of problems with various things, whether it be drugs or drink. I mean, it seemed to be more so then, and it was all quite negative. And so there was a lot of band, a lot of troubled people. And the record labels would send them here because they knew that they would respond positively. And it was the reason being is they're not bombarded by city life and the energy and the sounds. and the, They just come here and it's peaceful. And also I think the fact that it's a home adds another dimension to it because, yes, I work here and so it's my job, but it is my home first. And it is very much a family business but not just that you know everybody that works here most people have been working here for a very long time so that adds another dimension to it I think so people feel they can just chill they can just calm down and relax and they can certainly a lot of things are written here a lot of songs get written here and I'm sure it's because of the environment I'm sure it is when uh, when Gus Dudgeon was doing uh, Elton John here Oh, was he doing Elton John? No, he's doing Elton John. He's doing, doing Lindisfarne and all that stuff. Oh, right. Uh, well, I remember uh, it was about two o'clock in the morning. He decided it would be a great idea to record silence. Oh, yeah. And he stuck a mic out in the middle of the courtyard. I thought he was Middle of the night. I mean, mad. What a mad thing to do. It's, he said, go record silence. I thought, is he having me on? He said, go on, it'll sound all right. I don't know. I had the bloody meadow with the microphone all night long and I went and stuck a meadow, didn't I? <laughs> well, oh, you're the odd owl, <laughs> if you're lucky. What did he do that for? Poor Augustus isn't with us anymore. He did Alton John, you know, all that stuff. So this studio, we built, Charles and I built this studio in 1968. Phone call, 
Black Sabbath, never heard of them. In they toodle. Ozzy was 16, early 17. Um, a guy called Roger Bain was the producer, and I was the engineer. And we recorded all the demos, Paranoid and all that stuff. And I can see Ozzy stood down in there, in fact. And then that was, was 1968, wasn't it, John, when that turned yeah, up? Yeah. And then the guy from America called Todd Rungram, very famous man, turned up and did a band called Fog Hat, which Dave Edmonds took over as well. In fact, yeah. I played on that. Did you? Yeah. Fog Hat, big American rock band. Hawkwind turned up, and Lemmy's with them. And we did Silver Machine. I, I mixed Silver Machine in here. So you've had a lot of bands who've come here specifically to a really remote location. <laughs> right, that's probably one of them now. Hello? I want to make a hit record. <laughs> He's just coming over. Yes, uh, the answer to your question is, the reason why they came here really was initially was to get away from London, to get away from the noise and hustle and bustle. And you must remember, that up in London, if you're recording, all your friends turn up and they interfere with the recording sessions and you can't stop the famous ones coming in. So if you're a famous rock star, all your mates turned up and you know what happens then? They're drinking and doing all the bad things and nothing ever gets done. But when you come to the country, they can't get here, you see. It's too far away. So it's much more creative because they can concentrate what they're doing and there's no distractions. But in the 90s, this, this little studio here did all the Britpop records. They all came out of this particular studio Oasis did What's the Story Morning Glory in here like you know and I can't remember most of the bands but at one moment in the 1997 out of the top 10 albums seven were done at Rockfield it's just mind-boggling really Backbeat the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out I'm sure you've heard it all before but you never really had a doubt I don't believe things there's no bike. A mountain bike? Is this a float? No, no, it's uh, part of Kingsley's um, mowing machine, one of his mowing machines. One another aeroplane. Yeah. So I've come into Rockfield's workshop to meet on site carpenter Terry Matthews. <laughs> Well retired I am, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you for a second. <laughs> yeah, I know. In the, in the height of rock and roll, you know, things got broken. And, Did you um, have to fix them? So I'd come in in the morning and after um, certain bands, we'll say, having arguments again, um, things like the television would be dropped right through cabinets and trying to kick doors down. to, to And, OK, it's rock and roll again. All part of the history of Rockfield. I, I, I look back on it, and I keep thinking of now and again. The Kingsley and Charles had never started from a farm out here in the country, and decided to have a little band together, and it developed to getting involved with the acoustics and changing the studios and ripping them out. And you know, you, you, we've had people from all over the world here: Australians, the Americans. Uh, German, French, Scandinavians, you know, uh, all to little old Monmouth. So you've seen quite a few rock stars incorporate the sounds of the landscape into their records here? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, Mike Scott out of the Water Boys. He would go up into the field with a chair and his guitar and just uh, suddenly would change lyrics. And, and you think, well, where else could he do that? 
go into a large studio in London. No, you can't do things like that. The Manic Street Preachers were here. Uh, at the time I had a little Springer Spaniel, Max, and he's quite a vocal little dog. And I look out and it's uh, James Dean Bradfield playing with him, thinking he's wonderful. And I said, I'm sorry, no, 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 love it, he said, love it. About four o'clock in the afternoon, the engineer comes over and says, um, uh, James thinks uh, your dog's got the really nice bark. Could we, could we borrow him? And I said, well, of course we can. I said, you know, let's get over. And he said, will he bark? I said, yeah, just play with him. I said, he'll, he'll start barking. And he, he put it onto a B-side of a, of a song, which I didn't know anything about for about three months. And it was um, a B-side to You Stole the Sun From My Heart. And it was um, a socialist serenade or something, and it starts with Dear Max. I love music, but not as much as I do now. Obviously, you know, it rubs off, you know. So we're outside the Quadrangle studio with Joe Jones, who is the engineer here at Rockfield. I think we can hear, <laughs> I think we can hear a little bit of the local farm life, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when you first came here, was that rural location and being surrounded by quite unusual sounds? Was that part of the appeal? Yeah, it's a unique place in, in that sense. Completely, you kind of, you know, you come out and it's two worlds collide, and it's quite an amazing thing. And, and that, you know, you look at pictures of this place like way back, sort of you know 40 odd years ago and it's the same you know there's like sheep in the background there's horses and you're in this you know the yard here do you want to take us into your kingdom okay so this is a recording by a bank of voyages and the track's called schmuck uh this was recorded in the coach house studio so i've split out the tracks on the desk here i'm just going to kind of put a quick balance together of what we did i'm just going to hit play Okay, so down the bottom here we've got the kick drum microphone, so there's a kick in, which is a microphone right inside the kick, and then another kick mic on the outside. And I'll bring the snare in, snare top and bottom, so we've mic'd up the top and the bottom of the snare. And we've got some tom mics, which I'll tuck in. Uh, then we have a hi-hat microphone. And I'm going to bring in the overheads now as well, which is kind of the mics over the top of the kit, so it gets a bigger picture. And then some various ambient microphones on the kit. There's a booth there with a bit of space, but I'll tuck that in a little bit. And then here we've got a mic- microphone in a corridor as well. But I'll tuck that in too. And then a really compressed microphone as well to kind of get like a crunchy thing there. And then we've got some guitars, a bit of bass, and vocals. of history of this place we've heard yeah. a lot of big names from Kingsley and Terry um, 
you're working here now mm. and you're dealing with a lot of the contemporary bands mm. who come here. Could you tell us a little bit about how that has been, but also how the sound has has evolved and, and how yeah. music has changed, I guess? I think one thing that's great for contemporary bands coming here, and not only from the band's perspective, but from a producer's perspective as well, is that um, you know it can be done here. It's been done here for decades. So there's a confidence you get coming here. You know, you know, you know it's possible. A band, you know, anyone creative who's a, a music fan is going to come in here and feed off of that. And I mean, particularly for me, I often say if I'm working with a band, energy is first and foremost. Everyone being in the same room and recording something together live is something you can't really do in in your bedroom. You, I mean, you know, unless you've got a ginormous bedroom with a studio set up in it. But so I mean, you know, that that moment where everything kind of comes together, you get a sound. And, you know, everyone's got a role here. I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm getting the sound. The band go in and start playing. And then everything, like, accumulates until you get a take of something. And it's all sounding good. And they come back in and everyone's buzzing because this thing has just happened in the room. I mean, that's one of the best parts of recording for me, you know. It's like the, the excitement of a, of, a, of a live take and feeling that energy of so many heads together focusing on one thing, trying to create one thing, and then it happens, you know. And who have you worked with in this studio? Most recently, like well, it was last year, but the album's just come out. Is Designer by Aldous Harding was done in here, I and love that was album. yeah, that was a really, really like special record to work on. I think you know, it was, really enjoyed that. Why? What am I doing? Can you try the cows down this way. Name cows after famous singers. Carol, <laughs> Carol Deck was one. When we met Chris from Coldplay. <laughs> 20 years later, he said, how's Carol Decker? <laughs> I said, you mean, he said, no, the cow, I thought she's dead. I said, but Carol the singer's still alive. <laughs> she's very alive. <laughs> she is, isn't she? Yes. I like her. Yeah, I like her. Uh, that's the name of the cows off the famous girl singers. But well, we like that, you know. We're so it's kind the, of It's the ultimate accolade, actually. Oh, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The music industry's changed so much, so there are fewer bands coming into studios now. I, I realise you've managed to make Rockfield still attractive. I know Aldous Harding's recorded here recently, Sh- uh, Shame recorded here, Palma Violet's not so long ago. So you've still got younger bands coming in, but it must be hard to, to sustain Rockfield as it once was. It's very different. It's a completely different world. Uh, it, it, I mean, and it's right across the music industry. But um, it's, you know... it. I think we're very lucky on a number of number of counts. If we had a group of shareholders, or if we had somebody with maybe better business sense than us, possibly, I don't know, we wouldn't be doing studios, because financially it doesn't add up. It doesn't at all. But because we aren't answerable to anybody, and the fact is we do love what we do, we're very passionate about it, it means we've made it work to maintain the studios and to retain them and to keep them going. We can't rely upon studio work alone. But we, we have these large properties. So it means that on weekends, we get um, the coach house, for example, is booked for self-catering visitors. Also, over the best part of 60 years, it's not been a constant, steady upward trajectory. There have been peaks and troughs right the way through. And so my dad's always had that mindset of having to look to the future constantly because you cannot rely upon your success now. You have to keep thinking about the future and where it could go. Come on, Pixie, Amber, come on, come and say hello. That's Sally in the distance, the blonde one. Coming towards her is Pixie, probably one of the most friendliest Jersey cows 
ever she's in the world. She's beautiful, isn't she? She's named Pixie. She loves humans. So this is really where it all began with the cows for your family? My brother, Charles and myself, milking cows, Jersey cows and Guernsey cows like this. That's how it all started back in 1960. And after all these years, we're still here. What goes around comes around. The circle is complete. We made history in our own little way. We started like we started and we ended up like this and we're very grateful because we make every day a happy day. That's what we try to do. You know, you're so-